staying. You can stay too. I know you're not going to, but you know, you can. You want to die over and over and over and live your life on repeat from here to eternity. Yeah. Like it's crazy. Like I'm the first person in history that actually wants to live forever. You know, there's, there's not much difference between being stuck in a loop and being stuck repeating the same shitty day over and over, like back home until I die. But back home, anything could happen. It could be so much better yeah, than a camp. We tried that, man, for almost a decade. And I'm ready to go back to not hating my life. Dying just takes a second. And a life is long. Aaron, I think you are making a very, very big decision with very little thought. And you realize that you do this once and you can never leave. Anything is better than the life you make me live. Listening to a podcast exploring faith and fear, what scares us and what saves us. This is the fear of God. Hello, and welcome to the Fear of God podcast, your favorite podcast, my favorite podcast everyone's favorite podcast, at least that's what the word on the street is, coming to you right now is one of your hosts, Nathan Rouse. Now, typically with me is fellow co-host, three-year Fear of God alum, Reed Lackey. But, you know, a little while ago, he this thing showed up in the mail. He sent me this, what turned out to be a video, and it was on this VHS tape, which is really really difficult. You know, y'all hear us riffing on me just going full digital, like much less going back to VHS. So I had to like track down a VCR, which is really challenging to do in this day and age. Um, but I did it. And when I watched it, it was him. Like he, it was this video of Reed and he was just, it's weird. It was weird. Y'all I gotta be honest. It was a little weird, even by Reed standards, which is typically kind of weird. He said something about participating in this thing called the Ascension. I don't know. Maybe he'll show up in a minute. It, it, uh, my fingers are crossed. Um, in the meantime, while we sort of cross the fingers and the toes and the what have yous, do us a favor. You know, maybe who knows? Maybe this will kind of prompt Reed to to return to descend, if you will. Go to iTunes if you haven't already. Leave a rating. Leave a review. I know we've got some new folks out there. I'm talking to you who hasn't left a review yet. Leave us a review or. Share about us, you know, sharing about us won White Chocolate McDougal, uh, a voodoo gift card last week. And hopefully if Reed descends back to us, he can remind us who won the stuff. Nope, I know who it was. It was Kiefer Winborn, 
and Steve Beckley. Look at there. I don't even need Reed. So I'm going to do this one all by myself. In the meantime, welcome to the fear of God. Here at the fear of God, we find the holy in the horrific. There's a whole lot of horrific out there. So hopefully, conversely, there's a whole lot of holy. Uh, examining what scares us in order to find what saves us. Read, read. You've descended. You're back. Help me out, brother. Help a brother out because I feel like I'm floundering out here. Are you okay? Uh, all I, right. you know, I'm not. I don't like, like, we're a thing, Reed. It's, it's reading, it's Dr. Readenstein and Frank and Nathan, like, it's peanut butter and jelly. Like, <laughs> when you're gone, I get a little antsy, a little anxious. Yeah. You know, things just sort of fall apart. I, yeah. I you doing okay? I I, your video yeah. kind of weirded me out a little bit. Well, I mean, I'm doing okay, but it's just really weird. I feel like I've been living the same day over and over and over again. I mean, like, I wake up, my, my alarm just keeps sounding the same song over and over again. And I haven't had a weekend in like four weeks now. So I don't understand exactly what's going on. But, uh, but, you know, I'm trying to approach that it the is same weird. way that, yeah, I'm trying to approach it the same way that like Bill Murray did in Groundhog Day, trying to take it in stride and learn how to better myself and all this other stuff, yeah. you know. Well, that's cool. Spoiler, so, I any, guess spoiler any, alert for Groundhog Day, but you know. I like, skill so. sets you've kind of picked up in the meantime? Yeah, I've learned the cello. And, oh, um, wow. yeah, so I, yeah, I, I picked up the cello and, uh, smashed it over a couple of heads of people that I don't wow, really care for very much. Yeah. Just, well, I mean, that's intense. They're, like that's they're going to come really back. What I it's not a problem. Oh, they're going to be, I, they're going to be back right away. And so like, yeah, I just, uh, I've just basically been taking it in stride. I mean, we've had this conversation now at least, uh, probably 30 or 40 times. And, uh, yeah, it's just, oh, uh, yeah, well. easily. So, I'm I'm happy to uh, be present for the first time. So I, I don't, you know. Oh, this is the first time. Hopefully, for you? it's not. Yeah, though. turns out. Oh, yeah. Okay. Right. Well, <laughs> I don't know how much longer to keep that. Going. <laughs> it's endless. This this it's, can be. This is the endless. This you know what? You know what, what could be endless. Tell me what. In a in in an ideal world, uh, I mean, all good things must come to an end. But in an ideal world, this podcast would be endless. This is Nathan Rouse. You've been hyping it up for a while. You mentioned it earlier, just kind of in passing. But this is anniversary week. This right here is anniversary week. And to me, I find it very, very fitting that our film is the end. Hmm, We're ending a series. Pleasantly We're appropriate. Yes. Ending uh, uh, another year, stepping into an anniversary. And, and so this is our, our third year anniversary week uh, to the week. And uh, yeah. I'm, I'm, well, I've, been, I'm I've just been hyping anniversary month. I mean, I'm pleasant. Yeah. I'm happy. Like we do birthdays. I understand. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. who knows? Maybe this will turn into anniversary quarter. And Ooh. You know, hey, you know. Why not? It was three I mean, years. That's a long time. It, it's true. Some it's, some it's marriages good. don't last that long. Oh. That felt pretty dark in the moment. <laughs> <That's> super dark, bro. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my god. Yeah, that was a, that was a weird Odd pivot there. <laughs> Odd pivot, even. <laughs> Odd pivot. Okay. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah. So what? We Tell are me. wrapping up a, a series on, you know, some of the most uh, affecting films to us of 2018. Uh, had some wonderful surprises. I've been delighted by the conversations that we've had so far. Hopefully our listeners feel the same. I'm very excited about diving into this conversation today, but I have something burning on my heart to know before we get into this. Nathan. Okay. Yeah. Did you know that there's a house in New Orleans and it's called the What You Watch? <laughs> what you read? What you listening to? I like that. My mother was a 
Taylor. You know, <laughs> real, real. <laughs> goodness gracious! I love how I finished that off. And you, just go, you know, yeah. <laughs> real music fans, perhaps yourself included, will be ashamed of me for this. But like, I only know that song because um, you two did a cover of it. Is that? that yeah, 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 yeah. You two and Green Day. I mean, yeah. And every other band on the planet. That's a very oh. old song. Yeah, okay. a very yeah, old song. Sure. Well, In see, fact, that's my point. We we've got what you're watching, reading, listening to it. But skipping ahead to a trivial bit, the reason uh-huh. that House of the Rising Sun was so prominent in this is because it's public domain, so they didn't have to pay anything oh, for it. That's the reason that's it's funny. so it's so prominent in there is because it's a public domain folk song. I forget exactly who originally wrote it. The most popular version of it um, is by the Animals. I believe that's the most popular version of it. But tons of bands have covered it. So yeah, yeah. Anyway, there's good that. to know. Well, what was funny is just. You know how last week with Annihilation, we were like, hey, guess what? We've t- we've done this before. You know, we've done this before. <laughs> right, we'll do right, it, we'll right, do right. Again. Yeah. Um, which, by the way, good combo last week, Reed. Glad to be a part of that. Oh, um, I, I do, I I do have notes this week. But so you and I made an active choice. Um, we had already decided, actually, that Annihilation would end this little trio. So yes. I watched The Endless several weeks ago now. <laughs> and... Because because initially we'd planned to cover it two, you know three weeks ago when we recorded yes. those. Yes. And then we tried to reach out to Justin Benson, uh, one of the writers and directors. He is currently shooting a film or... And actor. Resolving. Yes, yes. Called Syncratic or Syn- something like that. Mm. Syn- Synchronic. That's it. I think that's it. But I'm pretty sure Anthony Mackie is in it, clearly. <laughs> I was, I'm behind the eight ball on this one. But... <laughs> I thought, you know what? It'd be pretty awesome if we tried to get him on the show. We tried to get him on the show. We reached out in a couple of, you know, ways and never heard back. But because of that attempt, we decided to punt endless to the end. <laughs> so this is a <laughs> no long, offense. We'd love to a, have you, Justin. Yeah, this is a long-winded. Oh, totally. That'd be awesome. This is a long-winded way of saying when you started singing that song, I was like, why do I know that? Because <laughs> it's been because it's been that long since I've watched the movie now. So, oh my gosh! This is like, gonna be a short conversation. Um, <laughs> like, uh, yeah, what did it, what did that happen? Oh yeah, that's right. I remember. I remember that. Because the that. impressions the impressions are faint. You um, know what? Sometimes what? that sometimes that's the best way to approach the conversation. You just what what remains is what remains. That's very but, po- that's very poetic and perhaps a little prophetic. Oh, but what but what you've been watching? I asked you a question. I know you did. I know. I'm just I'm all over the place. Um <laughs> so I I think I loosely referenced this a little while ago in passing, but I don't know that I cited it formally as my uh whatcha, and that is my wife and I have been watching the Amazon series Fleabag. And oh. I don't know if you've have you watched any of this? I haven't seen it. I've seen a few promos for it. You've mentioned it before, and I've, I've, it's pinged me as something that I'd maybe be pretty interested in. I, it's hard to know. Like, so it's two seasons of six episode of six episodes, and like that's, mm. I'm pretty sure that's going to be it. But I didn't know this when I first, when it first hit my radar. So Phoebe Waller Bridge, who is just a renaissance woman you know writer director producer actor she created killing eve or or adapted it oh okay and i don't know if you remember this do you remember on the on the show when i referenced how killing eve is a slight step down in season two for me like i really raved it's because she leaves after the first season she has minimal minimal you know sort of uh involvement there anyway point being just really talented creator person 
Fleabag is a show based on a one woman play, stage play. Um, oh, okay. So, so it's really fascinating from a lot of different standpoints. I will say, um, it is kind of racy. Um, and, I picked that up from the previews. Oh, really? Yeah, um, yeah. but it's it's there are parts of it that are hysterical, and especially at the end of the first season, it takes a real turn into this like, oh my gosh, there's a lot more going on than oh, okay. inis- initially was revealed. Um, and I will say this: we so we I think we're three or four into the second season, and again, there's only six. The second season has a moment in it, and it's the last episode we watched. So someone three weeks from now will be like, "What do you think of the end?" And I don't know yet, but there's a little moment in the middle of the second season that what it does in terms of the format of the show is just. I don't know. This moment happened. I really want to describe it to you, but mm. can I can I describe it to you? Let me describe go, go it to ahead. you. Yeah, okay. sure, sure. So one of the or the kind of the primary trope of the series is she addresses the camera. Yeah, she routine. does that in the previews too. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it's kind of just the running gag. Um, you know, it's kind of the office thing elevated. You know, just, okay. just yeah. lots of addressing the camera real directly as this un- invisible third party. Well, okay. something that happens in the second season is it introduced this Catholic priest character who's actually played by the actor who is Moriarty in the Sherlock, the BBC oh, Sherlock. Oh, yeah, okay. Well, there's, and I'll, I won't stay here long, but just to help illustrate what I'm talking about, you got this whole show where a convention is, she keeps addressing the camera and nobody knows this is happening and it's clearly just a, a gag. There's... Uh, in this third episode, the two of them are just kind of connecting and, and she's interested in an intimate relationship. He's drawing some some boundaries there saying, no, we can, we just need to be friends or whatever. But it's this really sweet relationship. Hmm. And she she is actively resistant to the faith conversations he'll attempt to sort of probe at. Okay. There's this great bit at the end of an episode when they've kind of defined where what their relationship is. And he's sort of asked about God, God questions of her, and she's kind of rejected them out, okay. outright, sort of. And at the very end of the episode, she looks at the camera while he's sitting next to her, okay. and he go, and he goes, "Where'd you just go?" And then she's like, "What are you talking about?" And then she looks at the camera again, and he's like, "Just there. What did you? Who are you? Who are you talking to?" Oh, it's this. And then it kind of ends. And I I just loved it. I loved this, just this notion of like the metaphysics, the spiritual kind of kind of bubble to the world they've created that he recognizes she's engaging with. I don't know. It just, just, I don't know. That's cool. A show I was already kind of like having fun with really just. And again, I have no idea how this series ends, but that's awesome. That little bit was a lot of fun. So, yeah, we have been. Watching Fleabag. (laughs) (laughs) What about you, my friend? So I do want to check that out. Uh, So I have a TV show as well that I've been watching. I'm glad we are done with books. You know, (laughs) because who who needs those things? Too too many reading. I read. read. Although I've been catching up on The Mighty Thor. Oh, Oh, yeah? Oh, sweet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's awesome. 
So I'm only in through the first book, the um, Goddess of Thunder. I've read all of the, you know, the Thor stuff with, you know, the God Butcher storyline and and uh, you know the the storyline that sort of led up to and the three uh, Thors across time. The three Thors across that's time, awesome. which was fantastic. Yeah, there there was a lot of fun there, but that's not my watching reading list. Well, no, that was but great. no, Pit, are you I'm saving that? it for. I'm loving it, but I'm saving it for when I've concluded the oh, thing. Well, so it might be a little while. I mean, he's still he's I've, still writing it. No, but I've, I, when I conclude the story of the female <laughs> Thor, it's when I'm going to oh, tag oh. back in and make that my official yes. one. So Her name is um, Jane, not female. I don't know I'm that just yet. Playing, I'm just playing with you. Oh, shit. Well, <laughs> I don't know that yet. They've made a big deal about who is she, you jerk. They've made a big deal about, like, I don't know who she is. All she did was just... <laughs> Nathan over there trying to be all woke and spoiling the, the comic book for me. Like, don't, oh my god, don't appropriate That's and minimize her read. Hysterical. And I'm like, That's a plot spoiler. Well, That's a plot in spoiler. my slight defense, they did re- re- bring Natalie Portman back with the hammer. I mean, it's I'm, kind of I'm there. Te- oh, okay, you. okay. <laughs> So, so that is it, funny. I'm sorry. Where I am in so so listeners, That's people, hilarious. Hunter, I was I was teasing you uh, on purpose, but I know it's Jane Foster because of the film reference. Okay, okay. But I do not know that based on where I am in the comics itself. Right now, her identity gotcha. is still yes. a mystery. There's still a lot swirling around about like the the what's and the whys and all that kind of stuff. But and I this totally and it. this totally explains why you were reading Original Sin too. Now now it's all clicking yes. for me. Yeah. Yep. Um, wow. Okay. So, but my uh, yeah. So, but my watching, reading, listening to is when I wasn't reading comic books, I was watching, uh, catching up with the third season of Glow. I've referenced Glow mm-hmm. on the show before, nice. and uh, they had dropped their first season a couple years ago, uh, actually August of a couple years ago, and then second season came out August of last year. Here we are, like clockwork. August of this year, we had season three. Um, I loved season two. I think pound for pound, season two is s- thus far my favorite sort of uh, rendition of the series. But season three has got some really great stuff with it. Uh, I got a slight ding against season three, and I'm crossing my fingers and hoping and hoping that Netflix renews it for a season four because the first two seasons are kind of complete in and of themselves. They have threads that you know they will follow, but mm-hmm. if if it were to have concluded at season two, okay, well, we, we know what happened, and that's that. But season three, for many of the characters, ends on blatant overt cliffhangers, which always oh, wow. frustrates me a little bit, particularly with a with a streaming service like Netflix, which I love, but have gotten a little yeah. you know, cancel happy Cut recently. Yeah. Uh, particularly like, you know, poor cold one out for the whoa, which did not make <laughs> a, a season three. <laughs> uh, that's the OA for listeners who are not up right. to speed. Yeah. But um, so, so I am nervous that glow won't be renewed for a season four, but the material that we have is fantastic. I will say that for listeners who might be sensitive to this sort of thing, I was, uh, even though there had been, a couple of brief moments of nudity in the prior seasons. Uh, season three is, is is rather graphic, uh, sexually speaking. Uh, I, was, oh, wow. I was a little I was a little surprised by it. It's not it, it's not you know Game of Thrones season two graphic. <laughs> like it, you know it's not like it's not completely over the top. But it, they just they they ramped that up a little bit. So I was like, oh, this is this is uh, a little interesting. But there there are a couple of plot lines that are just uh, emotionally. Uh, devastating and really powerful and uh, yeah and it's it's great. They well, actually... here's here's an in context reference point. Um, is it as bad as the movie Cam? 
we're good. We're good. We're good. <laughs> no, not nearly so uncomfortable. Welcome um, to the fear of God. <laughs> but um, so so yeah. I, but but I really loved it. I wish I could say more about it. I don't want to. I just want to encourage people to to go and watch it because I do think that the work that they've done here is really impressive. They've got some really strong characters. The writing is really strong. The performances are really outstanding. Um, the Remind show is me, a lot of the, fun because we watched the first season. I really enjoyed it. Um, mm. And You'll just, love second season. Uh, just, just time and whatever haven't moved forward. Does it ever catch up? To, does it ever engage the real world of '80s professional wrestling? In other words, like, are there? Is it is it its own little universe, or do they reference like, you know, kind of what we would know as '80s superstars of wrestling type stuff? So, in a in a sideways way towards the end of season two, uh, uh-huh. there's I. I I will say this, there is a character towards the end of season two that is straight up from the current to the show world of professional wrestling. Now, it, 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 and that actor is played by a real professional wrestler, um, but it's not like Hulk Hogan shows up or something. It's not right. something that's that. What about like of, Rick Rude? No, no. Or Rick, no. like the great Muta? Oh my, here we go. No, 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 they don't. <laughs> what about the <laughs> like, Ultimate Warrior? These guys, no, he, he passed away, unfortunately. So, yeah. Well, that's the, yeah, but not in the 80s. <laughs> oh, my God. No, <laughs> that's, that's, that's all I'm saying. No. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no, I know what you All mean. I was trying to figure out is does it ever, you know, intersect with the real world of 80s superstar not wrestling? In a, not in a, in a very direct way. Um, but I did like a lot of. What about Jimmy like, Snuka? No. <laughs> Not Superfly Jimmy Snuka. No, 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 no. Not the Junkyard Dog. Not Jake the Snake Roberts. Not yes. the Nature Boy Ric Flair. Woo! <laughs> no. Woo! So, 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 Man, we really don't. We, we, I, yeah, Cap. Yeah. <laughs> um, we either really don't want to get to the Endless or don't want to end this series. You know, it's one, it's a, one or the other. It's or maybe exclusive. Maybe both. Know. No, you know? I'm I, I'm anxious to get to the Lex end Luger. Because, Lex Luger. Don't wanna, oh, the total package. That's right, <laughs> Bobby the Brain Heenan. What about the mouth from the south, Jimmy? Jimmy Hart. Hart. Oh, yeah. The horseman of the apocalypse. Okay, so listen. Wow. Um, the wow. glow season three. Um, with the Fleabag. for those. We <laughs> yes. We are. We're in dirty town on this one. Well, that's the thing. With the, <laughs> with the caveat of people who might be sensitive to uh, mature sexual content, um, but Glow Season 3 does get my recommendation. Um, I, I am, feel like it's a really strong sh- No, that's okay. I feel like it's a really strong show. I feel like if you are a fan of... Well, if you're a fan of wrestling in general, you should check it out, period, because it's great. Um, if you are a fan of just well-rounded characters complex relationships and pretty outstanding writing uh with some strong performances then glow is worth checking out regardless so yeah there's that i'm i mean i reckon i referenced wanda sykes last week and she's got a rather raunchy bit about the bachelor tv show in the middle of her stand-up so like if people are watching the things i'm saying that you watch <laughs> this and but there's a there's a gag in fleabag i think episode one that's obama themed that <laughs> I, I'm not going to describe the what happens in the in the scene, but it's hysterical. I, I, oh, okay. There was something right. about the clashing nature of worlds when this scene happens that just I, was I got you. in stitches. So yeah, what you watching? <laughs> <laughs> what you reading? What you listening to? Ooh, man. <sighs> Wow! Yeah, right, so, yeah. Uh, oh man, I love Ric Flair. Um, so you know he's a he's he's a little skeevy guy. Like I remember reading some article because we're in Charlotte, and you know he's like 
the stuff yeah. around here. And I remember yeah. reading some profile about him about a year ago, and it was like, oh, you're a gross human. Well, here's and here's the thing about him. Like, we seriously will we'll get to the endless. But here's the thing about him is like, sort of in the latter days. I mean, he kind of he will talk about that kind of stuff in interviews and everything, and actually get alarmingly emotional about it. Hmm. Um, he hasn't made in every aspect a dramatic, complete turnaround. Um, but he will be pretty, what feels like pretty honest about the regrets of the way that he lived his life. And, um, and there's, there was a documentary that the, uh, ESPN series 30 for 30 did, uh, which those documentary sets are wonderful. Most of the documentaries I've seen for them are just outstanding. Um, but, uh, but he, they did one. I was going, that's what I was going to reference, but I knew you weren't into sports, like to the degree I am. And so I didn't know you'd know what it was. Well, I'm not into sports, but I'm into high quality filmmaking. And man, those are compelling documentaries. Like, honestly, that's the thing. Uh, those 30 for 30 documentaries, even if you are not into the, I know, I know barely anything about the sports and the sports figures that they, that they reference and that they're dissecting, but the, they're so well crafted that the stories are compelling just on their own, you know, in their own right. Um, but yeah, so he talks at great length in his in the documentary about him. Uh, it's it's actually like, pretty sad. I feel like in this endless episode that this endless episode about the endless. <laughs> it's I I, ha- I just had this impulse a second ago when you were talking about thirty for thirty that one of the running streams underneath our three years of podcasting is our respective sports ignorance and i just thought it'd be kind of fun we don't have we can if we want just to like unpack like what did did you like i have an older brother who like there was a moment in time where i collected baseball cards it was weird to hear i know um but i mean me too for a beat that you don't have to it's okay Reed. you don't have to i do everything you do you shut up But like, so I like he played sports. The the sports I play, I, I bowled. I, I love to bowl. I love throwing a oh. giant ball down the lane. But so he and my dad have that. So you know, I'm aware of like the general rules surrounding you know the sports. But you yeah, know, pl- yeah. players uh, players of the late '80s on the Atlanta Braves, I could name. But I don't <laughs> have than me. I don't have knowledge of minutia and stats and like that. Like did. Right, right. I mean, was your dad ever into sports? Like, what? My dad's into golf, and really? like still, yeah. And he and he actually is a pretty uh, effective golfer. Uh, even you know the the rare opportunity that he has to do that at his age, he's he's still pretty good. My, you mentioned bowling. My uncle, I I forget. Oh, my dad's gonna get on to me for not knowing the streak. I believe the streak was four. But my uncle has bowled multiple three hundred games in a row. Wow! My my uncle is is in a league and and he is like he's absolutely like an outstanding bowler. Well, but, now yeah. to be clear, I was sort of jokily referencing bowling because most folks would not categorize it in the way that real Listen. sports people do. I, hey, I know bowling people would, but that that's right. That's, that's about right. it. Um, but no, my so, dad's into golf. Uh, other than that, I mean, if I'm into a sport. Uh, at all, it would probably be baseball. Although 
What's funny is I do actually enjoy going to sporting events occasionally, like the opportunity to get my wife is super into basketball. It's for the she mascots. Loves, you love watching she the, loves the mascots, right? I love being the mascot. So basically, <laughs> like, but my, my wife is super into the Warriors, okay? So, uh, so the ultimate warrior. The road warriors? I'm, the road I'm warriors. Oh, the, the road warriors. Ooh. <laughs> There we are. No, she's into the Golden State Warriors. Wow. Uh, the G Dubs. And so, like, basically, she, uh, every season, she very much uh, gets into it. She, you know, that that's that's something she gets very excited about. I have never really followed a team in any professional sport to that degree of excitement and, and uh, devotion. But I do enjoy baseball, and I like, you know, baseball stories and stuff like that. But, um, but I like, like going to like sporting the events. The girl who loved Tom Gordon. God, I love the girl who loved Tom Gordon. Which is really funny because it's really not a baseball story. But um, it's but it's a great book. But I guess all I'm saying is like growing up, though, you weren't like around it in any fashion, Mm-mm. like any real particular. Yeah. Because, I mean, no. you know, as adults, you know, like, I'm totally down with all the sports. Um, <laughs> I can Well, tell. this is, I mean, you know, I th- I don't know. I just thought that'd be a little interesting uh, okay. diversion. Yeah, uh, we, we, we did for, that. For, yeah, that happened. For long time Fear of God fans. You can all right. This, you can edit all of this out if you want. I ain't editing all this out, brother. I know. You know what? You know what, brother? You can edit it out if you want to edit it out. I'm not editing this out. If you want to come at me, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll... <laughs> Snap into a podcast. <clears throat> <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my. Have you seen some oh of the Lord. old We're never going to get to this movie. Have you seen some of the old promos that they would cut particularly Randy Savage? Like there's this one where he talks about like he keeps calling himself the cream of the crop and he has like he's palmed like five or six little coffee creamers that he keeps pulling no, out during man. the interview. Man. That it's, poor man. It's awesome. He's he's great though. I mean, yes, yeah, sad story, but yeah, he's he's awesome. Okay. So So, man, we said we'd love to have Justin. Justin's like, I ain't going anywhere. I know, I know. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I ain't doing this. Um, okay, so this is, listen, guys. The Endless, which I first saw on Netflix, I had seen their second film, this uh, writing directing team of Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead. I had seen uh, their film Spring. That was the first film that I saw of theirs. And... So then uh, I had known about the film, their their very first feature called Resolution, and then which is the uh, which which one of them intersects with this one? Uh, Resolution does. Oh, so okay. and and so it's funny because when I saw it and saw the Endless, the the it's not a direct sequel, but they're like it's like a shared universe sequel. Sure. Like the care like, for this is would classify as a trivial bit. The characters in the cabin in the last third of the Endless, uh, Mike and Chris, the guy who's like handcuffed yeah. to the, uh-huh. so that is the plot of Resolution. They wow. are the they are the main characters of Resolution. That cabin is the setting of Resolution. Uh, does in fact does the recycled thing in, play out in that movie, nope. or that's just nope. for the Endless? That's just for the Endless, but there are, I won't tell you which ones in case you want to watch Resolution, there are in their brief moments inside the Endless, there are spoilers for Resolution in their brief moments. If you, if you didn't, if you hadn't seen Resolution, you wouldn't automatically know what's spoilery and what's not, but uh, there are spoilers to the plot of Resolution inside their uh, story, but no, Resolution on its own. But I guess clarify, 
clarify though, because I am intrigued, but I don't know when I'll get to it. Um, there's nothing in the end in there showing up in the endless that is part of the story of resolution. So or... the connecting the the connecting point in the endless, and we should, we should probably summarize it. There's probably some listeners who have, who have seen this film and not, or who have seen or heard about this film but haven't seen it. The Endless, its premise is there are these two guys who we find out in the opening frames of the film escaped this UFO death cult about a decade earlier, and one of them is really struggling with their life and where they are right now, and so they, through some conversation and through some decision-making, they decide uh, for what is supposed to be just a minimal like day or two to go back to that that cult group and just reassess, reconnect, and it's prompted by what you had referenced when I was absent. Uh, they receive a video from one of the members of this cult uh, basically talking about an ascension and, and they'll be back and all this other sort of stuff. So anyway, that's the premise of it. While there, they begin to get into all kinds of conversations about metaphysics and, and time loops and there are lots of mysterious goings-on, but there is kind of in the uh, sort of surrounding these different stories in the endless, there is an entity of sorts and that entity somewhat undefined, but there's, you know, like it watches them, it, it shows them what it sees and everything like that. All of that to say the entity is an element of resolution. Hmm. None of the time loopy stuff is. So does the entity and resolution have form or just kind of looms over the narrative? I am going to choose not to answer that oh, question okay. for That's the fine. sake of, for the sake yeah. of spoilers. Um, but, um, but yeah, so, but, 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 but that entity's presence plays a role in resolution. That is the connecting point. Although I should mention, do you remember in the endless where they go to that trailer and there's a note on there where Byron, the character, the this person, Byron, has said, you know, help yourself to my garden. I've gone to, I forget what the exact note reads, but it's basically like, help yourself to my garden. I've gone to find my friends or, or something like that. Like, do you, do you remember I, the I think so. Is that, that where he finds the projector? Uh, yeah, well, yeah, the projector. And then yeah. the projector has this little, like, infinity loop and then gets chucked out into the yeah. ether. Yeah. Okay, so Byron is not in the film The Endless, but Byron is in Resolution. And what's more than that, connected to Fear of God, he is played by none other than friend of the show Bill Oberst Jr., who read our Raven poem for us way, way back in the day. Wow. Um, so, yeah, and it's a, it's a rather small role in Resolution, but that character Byron does appear. He's played by Bill Oberst Jr., and, um, and so, yeah. So there's, it is not, a direct sequel. So when they say, oh, is Endless a sequel to Resident? It's not, but there are shared characters, shared themes, shared connecting points. They very directly take place in the same universe That's and really the awesome. stories are affected by each other, which is exciting because it would be, I'd be curious to see maybe further down the line what this directing writing team might explore further in this, you know, this whole broader expanded world. Um, so yeah, so that's uh, that's that. 
I have one more uh, small bit of trivia that I just thought was funny. So we've already mentioned that the House of the Rising Sun's public domain. They had to do quite a bit on like a shoestring budget. They just had to keep the budget tight, um, which is why they play the main characters in the film. <laughs> it was largely uh, like a budgetary decision as much as anything else, not not specifically that they wanted to play these characters, but it, it, it helped a lot that they were there and didn't have to pay out additional salaries and et cetera, et cetera. But my final note on that is it is very, very impressive to me, even though the film clearly was done on a modest budget, it's very impressive to me what they managed to pull off. Oh yeah. And it's and how remarkable. they're able to yeah, how they're able to evoke certain things that you know you're not directly seeing, but it still is somehow like lodged into your imagination. And it's it, yeah, it's it's very very impressive. This is a this is a remarkable film for for a number of reasons. But we'll get into all that. What's well, so inventive? I mean, just it really they, is. Yeah. And the deeper you get in, the more your brain is trying to figure out what on earth it's engaging with. Sure, sure. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I had for for this particular episode <laughs> a little while ago um, was my sec <laughs> was my second viewing, and oh. I can't. I can't remember because I think I was aware of it before it hit our top 10 for the, for 18, you know, before that list. Yes. Yes. Um, But I don't exactly remember how it hit my radar or not. I I don't know, but no, I I thoroughly enjoy it and I I don't have any specific trivial bits. So, you know, we can go back and move into uh, the cult. Yeah. We can move into likes, dislikes if you want to. I mean, I think my biggest, I think my biggest uh, praise for the film is everything oddly feels very real. And I think some of that is just the nature of its, again, I'm going to keep using the word modest. It is very clearly a modestly budgeted, modestly told film. It's It's got a strong script, but the script is much more interested in character interactions and in big ideas than it is in the progression of plot or narrative. Not that there's no plot, but it feels much more interested in oh, yeah. these pocketed, evocative moments than it does in, uh, you know, coalescing everything in a very concrete uh, landing place. But I think the film is stronger for it because, as I said, it all feels very real. There's a believability and a verisimilitude that attaches itself to what you're seeing that I think had they tried to construct it more concretely would not have been there. Like that scene, this is the first thing that came to my mind, the scene where Justin dives down into the lake to find to bring right, up right. the box and he says that there's a monster down there. And when it pulls up, it's very clear that there is some form or pattern of something like in the the lake but again it is more evocative than it is you know tangible and i find that for myself to be more frightening and more effective than if they had showed us some rendition of a fabricated creature um so yeah so absolutely well and is also um indicative of the point you're trying to make which is that ultimately and and i don't want to open the door to theme yet not necessarily because there isn't whatever but <laughs> it's because that's not the point of the, of the piece you know right, right um it's not about 
there's a there's a monster haunting these people. It's about yes, yes. The monster is our our own psychology, more or less. Mm. Message. Um, <laughs> yeah, I I do remember texting you on this most recent go around how much I love this movie and it it um, in the in I'll applaud us a little bit here in the in the ways I think when you and I sometimes hit on this on episodes like the movie just is feels like it's having a really fascinating conversation like yeah yeah you know and 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 so kind of engaging with it on that level the narrative is interesting mostly but the the conversation it's after and the ways it displays the phenomena because even then the displays of the phenomena are meant to be serving the psychology of the piece you know what i mean yeah yeah um no, I really love, and it's interesting, even things like, even little things like the convention of Justin and Aaron, the creator's characters being named Justin and Aaron. Like, yeah, right. that to me speaks to it all being metaphor. You know, it's all yeah, sure. kind of, they are the real inside the mystical. And I just found mm-hmm. that a really fascinating sort of way to perceive that as opposed to just lazy screenwriting right yeah no of course of course Um, and they're not real life brothers obviously brothers in this piece but um it it is it was fascinating to me that they are themselves i don't think there's any other character in there that is that goes by their own first name but it was interesting to me that they chose to go by their own first name as the characters in the film and i i don't know there's something that i found oddly Maybe it just speaks to the fact that this is probably a personal work for them. And and a lot of what they're exploring is clearly something they've explored in their other films, in Resolution and in Spring. The the substance of what you're seeing is very much about the complications with and the difficulties and obstacles within relationships. Like Spring is about a, a a young man falling in love with a with a girl that he later finds out is is an actual monster. What? And yeah, yeah, that's what Spring's about. Wow. Um, and so he he finds out, and that's not like some major final shot reveal. Like it becomes apparent, kind of like at about the second act of the film, that she is a supernatural being, and he's fallen in love with her, but she she's a very she's a legit monster. And so it's just it, it, they are interested in clearly these complications of relationship and the you could maybe call it mystical but the ways that fundamental forces beyond us sort of get in the way of relationships uh and sometimes not only the forces beyond us but also the forces within us right um choices etc well but, you know that's pivoting into theme a little bit but um but yeah, I, I, they're clearly interested in that as filmmakers. Well, and it's funny you reference the personal nature of even The Endless, and I, I just tried to find it. I can't locate it. I remember after I saw this the first time, I was so energized by it that I just kind of went and tried to find some interviews to, to kind of unpack it a little bit. Oh, okay, And sure. I'm pretty positive, though I couldn't find this in the moment right now. Gosh, I'm going to feel terrible if this is wrong, but I'm pretty positive I think it one of them lost their father and so this notion, I mean, even the opening of this movie, the unknown attributioned quote, attributed quote says, 
friends tell each other how they feel with relative frequency, siblings or fill in the blank family members wait for a more convenient time, like their deathbeds. Uh, um, yeah. You know, and, and so I do think there's something very personal happening here, kind of on the fringes that manifests in this real sci-fi kind of way. Right. Um, right. I love now it's helpful to know some of the stuff with resolution, but I love that despite such a high concept and, and it is, it's a pretty high concept. Um, <laughs> it is that every character has a real story and it's like about yeah. them and their journeys. And it's not, it's not totally about the metaphysical stuff. Um, right. Like I just love the moment when you, I think it's the character's name is Jennifer. The, the woman who's smoking, who is the, yeah. the wife of the resolution character. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I just love when you discover that connection. I mean, it's just a really great moment. Yeah, no, it's it's really fantastic. And that's the thing that, yeah, there are lots of, and this gets back to what I was saying earlier, my compliment of it, it all feeling real. These characters, whether they, whether uh, Benson and Moorhead tasked the actors with this or whether they scripted it and infused it and gave it to the actors, it feels like every character in the film has a rich sort of history with things. And there's lots of, choices that they could make that they they sort of pivot away from the obvious choices in so many, in so much of what they're doing like I love I'm thinking of the character of Anna and I love how in the first little bit um you know there's these constant wondering about like oh does she have a thing for for uh Aaron and, Aaron. and does she and and you know is she kind of after him or whatever and he even speculates at one point like I, th- I she looked at me like she wanted me to hold her hand but then when the time comes and they're staring out at the sort of prismed right. uh, landscape. The shimmer. Yeah, right, their version of the shimmer. Um, when he's when they're staring out at it and he sort of reaches for her hand and kind of brushes it a bit and she intentionally sort of grabs it and mm-hmm. then like and then like sort of does the pat, like, okay, right. like we right, did that. Right. You know, it's, it's, it's just great. There's so many little... Uh, unexpected choices, even in subtle touches like that, that make all, the whole affair feel a lot more believable and a lot more lived in. And I appreciate that about it as I'm watching it. I feel maybe maybe it's just me, but I feel like we're I'm I feel like I am kind of resisting some of the more tangible thematic ideas in favor of some of the more surface stuff. Do you want? Do you have specific likes, dislikes you'd like to address? I, I, I would, I wouldn't mind running through some scare ideas real quick, or some um, you know, just. No, I'm gonna, I'm gonna follow you. I'm gonna follow yeah. you wherever, wherever I you want to go. That. And and let's not. Uh, I will encourage. Let let's not. Uh, you know, be too adhered to our format if this if the conversation sure. so desires to go elsewhere. Yeah, by all means. Well, it was, it was just funny a second ago. I'm like, I feel like we're just for some reason unspokenly holding that at bay. I mean, little things, you know, scare moments. I don't, to me, the scare overall of this movie is kind of some of the psychological aspects that it's playing with on the fringes. I agree. But I do love, I mean, part of it isn't so much scare as much as just inventive filmmaking, but, and I'm, I'm getting oddly sort of, you know, verklempt just talking about it, but the way they refer to the rope from the sky as the struggle. Oh my I just, gosh. I mean, it's just really kind of, moving slash frightening slash innovative. I don't know. I don't quite that know is how to my categorize favorite, that. Yeah, I, I apologize for cutting you off. That is no. my favorite moment in the film. And it's funny because there's lots of 
arguably more impressive moments in the film, but I love that whole scene where there's this just rope going up into what? Going up into we don't know, and the idea of it is it is pulled in a kind of an odd tug of war, and the the choices people make to how they're going to approach that rope and and how hard they're going to pull and method and and all of this sort of stuff it it, it it's a very inventive the use that word and I think it's totally appropriate uh, it's a very inventive very creative metaphorical addressing of this bigger broader idea of the struggle with the heavens if you will um and uh do you do yeah. you um i'm going to reveal a little ignorance here because again it's been a little while do you remember the sequence of of what happens there like i know aaron i know at some point aaron wraps it around his waist but justin reluctantly is he the final person but i can't remember so, what happens to okay. him specifically so here's what i here's what i seem to remember uh, I've seen it more recently than you, but I, I may get the sequence wrong a little bit here. Here, okay. So they go out to the um, they go out to the struggle, right. and then uh, Hal sort of demonstrates it first, and right. then Aaron, I think, tries it. And when Aaron tries it, he like it yanks out of his hand, and so he wants to go again. And when he goes again, he wraps it around himself. But I actually now that I'm saying it in the moment, I believe it's actually Justin that gets asked to do it first. And when he goes to do it, the the rope like just gets yanked right away from him. Like he doesn't win it at all. And I know Aaron tries it twice. And at first Aaron loses, but he wants to actively go back and try it again. And that's when he wraps it around himself and heaves and heaves and finally you know, the rope yields, as it were, to, to yeah, him. It yeah. never, the, the rope never falls from the sky. For listeners who haven't seen the film and don't know, there's this, literally, this rope that is going up into the darkness of the sky. And even when it kind of yields in this tug-of-war way, it never collapses from the sky. It just sort of goes slack in favor of the person on the ground pulling against it. Or it pulls and wins... Uh, never, not by going all the way back up into the sky, but rather just by pulling out of the hands of the person on the ground struggling or whatever. So it's, uh, yeah, it's it, it's a fascinating idea, and it's it's a wonderfully executed scene. Um, but, uh, do you care if I kick the door down? Please. Um, I don't. I don't even have like a treatise. I just feel like I've got stirrings and and want to. Yeah, wanna let's do it. Kind of. Um, it's interesting. I just I just jotted down thinking through these three 2018 films we've covered and you've got hereditary, which is uh, you and I discussed this after, after the recording and as a sort of wish, wished for button we could have applied. And so maybe we do this here, like this notion of disconnection and what yeah. happens when we um, to borrow scriptural language, grieve like those who have no hope. You know, when there's nothing mm. connecting, when there's nothing tethering us to each other anymore, the ability to be preyed upon by other systems and forces. So you've got that, which is just a disconnection conceit, right? Yeah, right. You've got annihilation, which is this engagement with the alien, but not, I don't mean extraterrestrial per se, as much as just... The unfamiliar. The, yeah, the unknown, if you will. 
which is interesting given the given interesting given the um Lovecraft quote at the end of uh, the beginning of this, which I'll get to. And then you got yeah. this, which is and and maybe why I felt the pull, the the struggle, if you will, to engage thematic stuff, not again because I have something I'm sitting on that's massive, but just like this movie feels themed. Like, yeah. like it, oh, yeah. it is it is theme. But what I think is so beautiful about the theme of this movie is the entire architecture of it is about overcoming the imposed things that keep us from connecting to each other, mm. you know, and, and that's really kind of powerful to me, especially in, you know, the things I've been ruminating on and reading. And, and it's funny since you and I on hereditary talked about roars, universal Christ and the accompanying podcast the other day, mowing the grass, I like listened to I think two and a half of those episodes and, and for anyone interested and for you, if you don't know this, I didn't until doing this, there's a season two, which is so season one of another name for everything, which is the name of this podcast. It engages kind of, I don't think it's chapter by chapter, but it's like the, the bigger themes of the book. Right. Directly. Well, season two is responses to listener queries about season one and the book and so from that standpoint it's really powerful and there's a great one great episode the two i listened to are both great but one was like hell and the afterlife and so of course you know strangely talking about that even last week with annihilation like it was just intriguing to me to hear him but he discusses bridging these gaps like hell yeah hell being separation you know, you, you can say it of God if you want, but but just if if we are engineered by a loving God for loving communion and community, right, then right. then disconnection from that isolation from that, you know, is is, quote unquote, hell on, mm -hmm. if, if yeah. we're kind of following those dualities. But right. And so I think what's so kind of just I don't know, man, just really beautiful to me about this movie there's, there's two, to me, kind of primary tracks it's operating on. Uh, and one of them is how do we connect to each other? Like e even the, even the, the factions of characters in the movie, you've got the cult itself, then you've got the pioneer guy who recycles and explodes in the tent, you know, like mm. they're all, they're mm. all core, they're all cordoned off from each other. There, there's yeah. no yeah. connecting point. And, and the two eyed monster they keep referencing is, is effectively just an optical illusion of these bubbles engaging right, and the moon re right. reflecting in each. So you've got this connection point, but you've also got, and one of the, uh, I'll get to a point where I stop talking just to let you kind of fill in some gaps here, but you're fine. What I wrote down is just existential dread and anxiety and how we kind of live in that world right now. And, and throwing a lot of heavy stuff on the table here and, and we'll just sort it out. But like a quote from the film that I think is how that I think is so treacherous mm. um, is he says of the people in the cult. And and if you're, if you haven't seen this movie and, and are listening to this before watching it, what we haven't made, if Reed may have made this explicit and I just can't remember because that's how I am. But <laughs> in the envelope of these bubbles, literal kind of strangely kind of cosmic phenomena that's happening, time resets itself. So, yes. yeah. you know, like, What's happening, the ascension this character refers to in the video is what is effectively going to be this 10 year sort of cycle resets for the characters inside this cult, 
and they've developed a cult around it. Well, so Hal, the leader of this cult, and they're all kind, sort of generous folk. It's this real kind of, I don't mean this pejoratively, but hippie kind of commune idea. Yeah. And, but he says, people here live long and healthy lives. And because of that, they grow to be the people they want to be. Mm. And, and that like really haunts me because you watch the sort of dry and dour menial existence Justin and Aaron occupy at the front of the film and how they pine for this thing that was before. And what I wrote is we had, we had a good thing. I'm sorry. We had a thing that was good. Our, our youth, our, our, our hindsight, our memory, we mature into a thing that's hard and that's adulthood. Mm. And this, this wistful thing that we do where we look back, but I look at like what Hal says of we grow to be the people we want to be because what he's saying is, Oh, we, we live forever. We're, we're effectively immortal because time keeps resetting every 10 right, years. Right. We, you can do whatever you want to do. And I think what's frightening about that is we kind of live that way. We live not, cr- not developing, not, not crafting ourselves to be the people we want to be Hmm. does that make sense like it does yeah it's like we think it's like we think we're going to live forever so why get to personal sort of inner transformation if you will now because maybe we'll get there and i'm really possibly just speaking to myself here what you feeling, Reed? There's a lot, there's a lot thrown out there. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> i feel like i'm on the the therapist couch well right here's now. the here's the the element that i latched onto in that is he said we live long, healthy lives. And of course, at the moment he says that, we, the audience, don't fully know the reason they're so able to live long, healthy lives is because every 10 years it resets and they go back to the beginning. Mm-hmm. But what is what is interesting about it is there was a, uh, our, our friend Wes, who he and I were talking many, many years ago about the idea of time and you can you use it in language of like currency you spend time mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and he had said he heard it from somewhere but i can't remember where he heard it from and i heard it from him so i'm sure this is out there in the world somewhere but he said you make a choice rather than to spend time but to invest time and you know even more so than that some people do something much more sort of frowned upon in this construct and they kill time but i think the difficulty in what i hear from what you're saying is i think we don't we're not as intentional as we could be about crafting ourselves into the kind of people we want to be because Time is nebulous to us. At the moment that we're mm. sitting here, the the forward motion of things is endless. I'm not intentionally calling sure. upon the name of yeah, the film, yeah. but like the forward motion of it is, I should say, undefined. It's undefined. And there's all kinds of science fiction books and dramas and story after story after story of if you had the opportunity to know when your clock was going to run out and everything, what would you do? How would you treat things differently? All this, all this other sort of stuff. And, and those are ponderings that people make in any degree of success. And, and it's a philosophical exercise and all this thing. But I think the reason why we are movie, I referenced it earlier, just kind of as a joke, but 
a huge reason or a huge theme behind the classic comedy Groundhog Day by Bill Murray or starring Bill Murray. And we uh, addressed it a bit in Happy Death Day on on our episode about Happy Mm -hmm. Death Day is when presented with this construct of constant repetition, but like lacking progression, repetition that does not lack progression, like I am going to be stuck here indefinitely thoughts do begin to move inward and you do begin to say like, well, I'm here. Let me do something about myself. Right. And I think it is in an odd way, the sort of constant steady progression of time that can in some ways inhibit us from really being intentional about it, which is why when you reach milestones like 30 and 40 and 50 and something, and you cross over into something new that's why it can be really easy for us psychologically to have like these crises where like, Oh, uh, uh, that's, it's gone. Those, those years are behind me right, now. Right, and now right. I've, 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 I've got so much to make up for. I've got to do this. I've got to do this. I've got to do this. And, and I feel like that's why people get into a frenzy about that sort of thing. I think it's the steady in an, in an odd way. It is the uh, constant forward motion that creates for us the illusion that this will go on indefinitely possibly even right. forever even though we know our own mortality there is a jo- there is a, a a moment where every human being grant they the opportunity to live long enough have to come to terms with their own mortality usually that comes in the in the form of saying goodbye to a loved one but i think it is the reason that we are not as intentional about being the people that we want to be is because there's not a the, the finitude of it is not direct to us. We don't recognize. I was thinking about this just the other day about the summer. When the summer came when the summer came by and we had a very active summer and we we traveled a lot and everything. My family and I. Do you mean as a as a young person? No, no, no. This past summer. This this most oh, recent oh, okay, summer. Okay. But I was reflecting somewhat randomly how, huh, if I were to just chart it down, I have maybe if I'm lucky Let's just go for a large number. I've got maybe a, I've got maybe a hundred summers, like I maybe have a hundred so summers. Not re- remaining, but no, no, no. But just like in my life, like I've got maybe a hundred summers, and I, and then think about it. Then in the context of like Christmases and Halloweens, it's like oh, right. Oh, I've got maybe a hundred Halloweens. So how am I going to choose to? Now I'm thinking about it in terms of holidays, and then I'll bring it into myself, and we'll bring it back to the endless. So I've got maybe you know like if I'm if I live a long and healthy life. Maybe I'll be blessed with 80 to 90 or maybe, God willing, 100 Halloweens. So how am I going to spend them? What am I going to do with them? What are, uh, you know, stressing me out. How am I going to, but, but that's the thing is like, <laughs> you can't, but that's the thing is that you can approach it. If I have a, if, if I have $100, I'm going to be very intentional about how I spend that money because I know I've only got 100 and that's it. And that's all there's ever going to be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But we sort of don't think of it in those kinds of terms just because we are so captive to the steady flowing river of time. Now, the converse of that, you talked a while, I'm going to get all of my blah, blah, blah. Yeah, no, I'm fine. The converse of that is I I openly reject the, the reverse notion of that, which is like, Dude, you're 25. You best get on it. You're not going to be successful by blah blah blah. You need to be doing this. Sure. But I actively, uh, verbally reject that notion. I think that it is always. I had a I had a conversation with my son, um, who's only seven, 
but I had a conversation with my son about a challenging day that he had had. And I just, I sat him down and in a brief, but hopefully effective moment, I just basically tell him like, look, you're, you're going to have bad days. Like there are going to be days where you don't make the choices you want to make and you feel rotten about them and you wish you could do them over again, but they're just not coming back. You're you're not going to get those moments back. You're just going to have some bad days. Um, the good news is, is that you always have the opportunity both right then in the moment and when you wake up the next day to begin trying to make better choices and to do to do better things. You always sort of have that opportunity to you. And I think the same is true for how we approach ourselves. It's like there's really not a lot of value. One of the things I love about a story like A Christmas Carol, we talked about this in our episode about it, is... Ebenezer Scrooge is a very, very old man. Like, uh, he's, we don't know exactly how old, but in the story, he is a very old man. And I love that it's a redemption story for a very old man. And then mm-hmm. it even says at the end, he became as good a master, as good a man as the old city knew. And so, in, when you, when, to, to bring it back to the endless, because we're wrestling a lot with a lot of big ideas, um, that notion of, you know, because they have these long and healthy lives, they can be, they can grow into the people they want to be. We have not grasped the fact that that choice is also available to us. Right. That yes. choice is is also, but it also comes down to, and this I do believe, it is not about material position. It is not sure. about I want to have accomplished a thing or I want to, you know, sometimes that's at play. I get it. Like sometimes your own personal measure of I want to do this thing before I die and so please, may I have the avenue and opportunity to go and do this thing. But I do, not, I, I do not feel that success as defined by other people is really the point. It's about just how do you want to navigate the world? What kind of interactions do you want your relationships to be? And what do you want them to look like? And, and, and how do you want them to be characterized? Do you want them to be characterized by peace and joy and gratitude? Or do you want them to be characterized by combat? And do you want them to be characterized by uh, scraping and clawing and climbing and, and claiming and, and, and all of those kinds of uh, what I'm framing as a sort of a negative thing, like the grasping and clawing of effort and, and, and the, sure. the drive for success? How do you want it to be? What do you want it to look like? Uh, whether you're married, whether you're single, whether you're a parent, whether you're not, uh, whether you're with your friends or whatever, like what do you want it to look like? And just begin to pursue that thing and just begin to, and, 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 and I don't want to be real reductive and act like that's easy because we've got all kinds of log jams and blocks and every individual that we're engaged in a relationship with is also an individual with, with, with their own uh, neuroses and problems and baggage and, and experiences and everything. So, but we lose traction on the power that we have to wake up and decide i am i am going to be this i'm going to say this one more thing then i'm going to shut up so in in the film aaron looks at justin and justin is terrified by the fact that the, these these things that they have encountered are in time loops stuck forever just absolutely stuck forever and Justin is terrified by that notion. Aaron says something that I think is pretty profound because he says back to him, he says, that's not very different than the life that's outside of this. Like, I just wait, I, I, don't, I didn't write the quote right. down, so, but he basically says, that's, that's what we're living. 
Like, you just don't know it, but that's what we're living, just the redundancy of day in and day out. Like, that's the, the life that you've put me into. And he said, I would much rather have this than that other version of things. And I found that haunting, but I also found it deeply profound, this idea of like, well, I can be stuck out there or I can be stuck in here. And in here, I have the possibility. Uh, he doesn't say all these things, but this is what right. I gained from it. Here I have the possibility of connection. Here I have the possibility of relationship. Here I have the possibility of peace. I have the possibility of winning the struggle with the freaking rope in the sky. Like I have, right, I have right. these options available to me here. So why am I going to go and choose to be stuck in a place where I feel lost rather than go and choose to be stuck in a place where I feel home? And that is something that we lose traction on so many times when we feel stuck and lost in our own life is is we we have home in our hearts like that's that's the old phrase you know that home is where the heart is and i know that it's cliched and i know that it's you know it makes great for this little like quilted plaque or whatever but the reality is we have that power and we lose grip on that power we have the power to make this home in the relationships around us, and we so ignorantly choose not to. Um, I know it's a big idea, but endless. <laughs> um, I, I think you just identified something that's really kind of calling out to me. One, I love the line in the film, and maybe there was a way to weave it in tangibly, but just as a at least a placeholder or hang a lantern here uh justin to aaron when he's on the boat about to jump off says i don't think comfort is worth dying for mm. um mm -hmm. i really love that and i'm just trying to mentally i'm you know, i'm absorbing what you're saying i'm trying to mentally sort of like what's interesting is now i think i think in a very tactile way very tangible way in real life like there's not enough introspection. There's not enough meditation. There's not enough right, kind of right. secret secreting ourselves to a, a place of calm and of, because where I'm going with this is what's fascinating is you, you mentioned Aaron's commentary about what is represented to him by the real world out there of being monotonous and rote and routine and, and endless, if you will. Mm. Um, but what I can't get away from and what pinged me when you said that is like, ultimately what is inside the bubble is monotonous and rote and routine as well. Mm -hmm. And, and what I'm trying to wrestle through here is, and, and a way in which what is, you know, the spirit hovering over this conversation is, is sort of there to be called out. But like, I, anyone, anyone who's listened to this, especially for three years can probably readily recognize this and especially those intimately close to me i'll allow you all my wife i had a conversation with my brother recently he named this in a way that i was like you jerk but he was kind of right <laughs> and how i can very much get lost in my head like yeah. like of of not even ambition i'm not and i'm not even like this oh die hard ambitious check all the boxes of life to to equate to success at all but somehow, somewhere, I did get, I have the, the rope around my waist that has an invisible thing on the other end of it. And mm. goodness gracious, mm. Mm. of 
that's that's unpullable, that's unreachable, okay. that's un yeah. that's invisible. And does that analogy make sense? Yeah, very much. Um, very much. Yeah. And I'm kind of mulling this notion that's th- that is the creature under the surface of the water. Um, and I don't mean in a malevolent fashion, but no, sure. They they grow to be what they they grow to be the people they want to be. Well, maybe, but what they really do is just really fine tune a hobby. <laughs> oh, I see. Right? right. Yeah. 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 And and I think if if this whole movie is theme, and I do think in large part it is, and if if most of our takeaway from art and and good art and especially film art is summed up by how it resolves. You know, there's this way that what's in the bubble is picturesque. It's, it's perfect, but it's still isolating. Um, even Mike in the woods, the resolution characters, yeah, he says, we, we never anticipate the ways we're going to isolate ourselves from the ones we care about. And where I'm going with how the movie resolves is, when they're pushing the car together, trying to get away, mm. I think it's Aaron who has been kicking against the goads with Justin the whole time. He says, I just want to be able to mess up together. Yes. Yes. And, and it's interesting Two notes there. It's, it, it isn't just the together. It's the messing up. Mm, like mm-hmm. the, the act of messing up, the act of just screwing up, like, like inside the bubble is still repetition. It may be picturesque and, and, hippy dippy and oh you're learning the cello and well, i'm uh you know who knows what like but it's still repetition it's it's not messing up and it's arguably not kind of together either yeah but Be- because the disparate nature of the the reset they go through well life itself real life is just the accelerated version of that we mm-hmm. we don't have pocket realities we get to go to where we get to refine our skill sets to, to make ourselves more interesting and cultured. Yeah. Right. What, what we, what we do have is this one life that is beautiful in its very happening. Right. Like just right. by sheer nature of it being present and a gift to us. And yeah, maybe we won't learn how to play the cello. Maybe we'll mess it all up, but the point is to mess it together, to mess it up together. Like, that's one thing I just love so much about this movie. And, and for someone like me who so easily gets lost in my head, wrestling invisible monsters in the sky that Mm -hmm. are pointless and don't exist is, well, wait a minute. You know, it's, it's things like three years of the fear of God with you together. Like, you know, we, we, we we messed up an an annihilation episode and here we are with one of (laughs) we, what we both agree is one of our best conversations, maybe of our 20 years of friendship last week. Like, you know, and, and I, what, what does frighten me and not many things tangibly do is how simple, how without trying it is to take those things for granted and to, to gloss over the significance of those in favor of pulling against the air. Right, right. Well, and there's something, so I have two things to to, to point out in response to what you're saying. The the first is something that pinged me this second time through that I found beautiful and important and I found to be pretty 
pretty profound and impressive is so when they're making their way out of the this bubble when they're making their way out of this thing earlier in the film Aaron had been begging Justin to let him drive now begging is a strong word but he sure. had been you know asking to drive and i found it significant when with all this stuff going on with the car they can't get the car started they have to push start the car and then he's like let me drive and i it pinged me that Justin finally says yes and that's when Aaron starts unloading all this stuff about like I want to mess up together. He's like you just mess right. everything up and I want to mess up together. And there is a notion where you have to start seeing the people in your life as real people and right. you start having to allow them to drive from time to time because it's tied up into control, it's tied up into the dynamics of relationship and all of this other sort of stuff, but it was fascinating to me and in a film that is admittedly very metaphorical, something like that felt just way too intentional. And so this pivot of like earlier in the film, uh, uh, Aaron was in insisting to drive, Justin wouldn't let him, but at the end of the film, before they're about to break out of the sort of the circular bubble thing, Justin lets Aaron drive. And Aaron gives all of these confessions and everything like that. And so I feel like there's something there in the notion of the way that we have to stop trying to control our world around us. Like I had said earlier, you know, like you were mentioning about how we're pulling against these things and we don't know, we don't know really what they're tied to. We don't know really what's on the end, but we just, we pull and we pull and we pull and we struggle against it. And I think oftentimes we are struggling against ourselves, which is part of the metaphor that's there. We are, sure. we are, proverbially on the other end of the line up in the sky where we can't be seen like there's a follow me here because this is a little heady there's a version of ourselves that is dark to us that is that is hmm. up there and wow. off and we can't see it and that's really what we're pulling against or pulling for is this proverbial vision that that we're trying to grasp of, of the us we'd want to be the version right. of ourselves that we would like to be and i think that we come so much closer to actually sitting in the car with that person when we're willing to, you know, in the, the world, the lives of the people around us, the lives of the people that we're connected to, when we let them drive occasionally, when we release control, when we relinquish that part of the struggle, as odd as it sounds, is knowing when to yield knowing when to pull and knowing when to yield and knowing when to relinquish and, and recognizing that you pull it, but it's not coming down. Like recognizing that you're probably not going to get there, but that there is strength in the struggle and there is grace in the struggle and there is maturity in the struggle. Um, there's a scripture verse that I have that is, I'm, I'm three minutes old uh, from realizing that I wanted to use this scripture verse, but it's Luke chapter 17 and verse 20 I'm going to read 20 and 21. This is the New International Version, very commonly used phrase, uh, or oft-quoted passage. He says, Once on being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, The kingdom of God is not something that can be observed. And it says mm -hmm. in Luke, uh, in verse 21, he says, Nor will people say, Here it is, or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. The King James Version says the king of, kingdom of God is within you. And so there's this notion that 
we keep looking for something that is out there, off there, in the distance, obtainable, linear, uh, something that we can point to, uh, struggle against, uh, find, or something, and say, like, there it is. I have grasped it. Um, but there's a power uh, that the Scripture evokes so many feelings in, and thoughts in my heart uh, where it says, like, it's not something that can be observed. Like, th- this, is, this is not something you're going to be able to grasp. It's right. in your midst. It's among you. It's within you. Um, like that's, that's what we're trying. That's what we're struggling with. Like this, this, this idea of connection is something that we're struggling with. We keep looking for something we can chart and track. (laughs) It's that old matrix line where Lawrence Fishburne's character is Morpheus, right? Right. Um, he says to Neo, he says, there's a difference between knowing the path and walking the path. Yeah. And you know, I know Matrix is a twenty-year-old movie now at this point, but but that notion of like, yeah, th- there is something different between knowing a thing and living a thing. There is, uh, or, or to go back to Haunting of Hill House, some things can't be told. You know, they they have to be experienced, they have to be lived, they have to be embodied, uh, they have to be shared. There's all these other adjectives to things, but some things do not break down so simply. And I love in the Endless that the guys break out and the cult is kind of happy for them. Like, you know, that moment where the, where the leaders of the cult Hal and the rest of them are kind of looking off in the distance. I interpret that moment to mean they are looking off at the awareness that they got out. Maybe that's incorrect, but that's how I interpret that moment that they look off. And then the rest of them just sort of, you know, there's a patting on the shoulder and there's a moving back into their little bubble, into their little world. But I do think that, yeah, I'd, gosh, there's so much to this film, but I think that that part of what we struggle and part of what we pull against is trying to find something tangible and trying to find something definable when maybe the fastest we're going to be able to obtain that is just to recognize that it is not what we keep thinking it's going to be. It's not it's not going to be that. It's going to be something that is among us in moments in conversations in the sharing that that's where that's where that real battle is really fought. Um, and that's where that real victory is, is won as it were. Hmm. Endless. Hmm. Um, so I, I don't know. I don't want to disrupt if you have more that's burning in mean, your heart to share, but I mean, I, I think that, I mean, I think there's other places that could be gone to, but I think this is positive and yeah. good and interesting and, and I mean, yeah. Heck, the movie's called The Endless. I mean, there's endless places to go to. You can, I mean, right. there's, <laughs> and I say that somewhat tongue in cheek, but seriously, like, there's a lot to this film, and there's so many different things that we didn't even go into. Like that wonderful quote, good Lord, that wonderful quote from the film where he says, um, Can you have power over yourself if you give up any amount of authority to something else? Hmm. And just, oh, man, there's so many, there's so many ways in which. The idea of relinquishing control and maintaining control and sharing relationship and all that stuff. It's just uh, this is a rich, rich textual film. But um, but uh, if you want to, we can just kind of, you know, let that digest for a little bit and, and send it to the fog meter, maybe returning at a future date to similar ideas. Yeah, I mean, I'm, yeah. So like we do on every film, we um, 
bring it to our very specific metric of fear and God, uh, where we measure its scares and its substance. I'll go first on fear. Um, existential dread is a real thing. This film evokes a mountain of it. Um, in terms of nightmares and frights, uh, not quite so much, but there there is tr- a tremendous amount of sort of, uh, yeah, existential things that you could dive into. Many of them can be frightening. I'm going to land on a five for its fear factor. Yes. I think, I think I'm going to go with a four. Those four points okay. are made up, you know, kind of forcefully by what you described as the existential dread aspect and just general anxious thoughts kind of thing. So yeah, a four for me. Okay. Ah, what would you think for the God meter? Um, I think it's high. I texted you that I love this. I texted you that this is all theme. I think they are themes that I'm both fascinated with and afraid of. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, you right. Know? Uh, so I, I think I'm going to go with a nine. Okay. I am right there with you. I'm going to join you in your nine. Uh, I feel like it is very thought-provoking, sensitively told, uh, in many ways beautiful, uh, fully evocative. Um, there are lots and lots of things that it's interested in, and I'm very, very impressed with how graciously, I'll use that word, and gracefully that it dives into those subjects. So a nine for me, and that means that we give The Endless a 6.75 on pretty solid. the fog meter. Yes, 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 yes. I, um, I know the answer to this question. And I'm going to ask it anyway. Would you recommend The Endless to anybody? Absolutely, man. It, it'll, I don't know, like it lodges deep. Yeah. Yeah, it really does. Honestly, this is a film that for people who like their material to be a little challenging, but but still very palatable. Like it'll it'll challenge you not in the way that we mentioned with Hereditary and Annihilation, which are like sometimes hard to watch. This is a film that is very easy to watch. It's incredibly easy to watch, um, but will evoke a lot of thought and a lot of ideas in your mind. So, um, you know, to those people, I cannot recommend this film highly enough. Uh, Fans of cinema, fans of uh, evocative storytelling, uh, very lovely in many ways. Uh, Yes, I'm a very, very big fan of this film, and I highly recommend it. So, Nathan. Read. There, it, there is. it is. There it is. There. Endless is in the book. Um, happy. This has been a fun, fun little, fun little oh, trio. I've loved it's kind it. Kind of a I've... kind of a nice way, you know. Hitting t- uh, a top ten horror would have been hard. Uh, I do think yeah, we made some yeah. good selections here, and we left some on the table to return to. Uh, yeah, the absolutely. Meg. Meg, you know, the maybe, Meg is a maybe, deep film. Maybe for our fourth anniversary. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I'm down so, with that. Um. So yeah. So. Uh, next week, next week, next week, we are, oh man, we are going <laughs> to be starting something that you and I have been germinating on for a bit. It's a series that we are very intimidated by. I'm going to use that word. Maybe you agree. Maybe you don't. Uh, very uh-huh. excited by, um, but we are going to be diving into a series of foreign language horror and thriller material. 
Um, and we are going to, it's a whole brand new series. We'll unpack it in next week's episode. Um, but for listeners who want to get ahead of the game and want to equate yourself with the material, uh, seek out a South Korean film called The Wailing. Uh, used to be available on Netflix, but as of right now, it is not. It is available on the horror streaming service Shudder or available to rent in all of the common outlooks, iTunes, uh, Amazon, etc. Um, so check out The Wailing, and we will see you there next but, week. You're only giving half the homework. Uh, oh. We are also yes. Oh my yeah. gosh! Yes, you're we right. are. You're... We are just biting off way more than we can chew. Um, yes, we are. So in this foreign language series, we're also doing a TV guideposts. Um, so we will yes, we be are. tracking through um, the Netflix series Dark uh, episodes Dark. one and two of season yes. one. So next week, goodness gracious. Um, uh, will be will be episodes one and two of season one of Dark and the film The Wailing. Go ahead and get ahead because The Wailing is two and a half hours long. Okay? Yes, yes, so worth got, every you know, minute in my opinion. Uh, yes, 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 yes. Oh, I'm not. Yeah, that's not a. Just saying, you know. Don't. Yeah, just saying, it's lengthy. <laughs> Plan ahead. Plan ahead. <laughs> exactly. Uh, awesome. Nathan, thank you yes. so much. Thank you for letting me drive every once in a while, and thank you for oh, yeah. uh, just having this conversation with me, and I uh, really appreciate it. And, and uh, thank you, listeners, very, very much, and we'll see you next week. See you next week, guys. There is a house in New Orleans. They call the rising sun. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. And you can continue the conversation in a variety of ways. You can follow us on Twitter at The Fear of God. You can like and follow us on Facebook or join the Facebook Fear of God discussion group. You can follow us on Instagram at Fear of God Podcast. Go to morethanonelesson.com to leave a comment on this post or any of the other official episode posts. Email us at fearofgodpodcast at gmail.com. Our theme music was composed by Lee Wright and Reed Lackey. Our podcast art was crafted by Jacob Hunt of jacobhuntcomics.com. Merchandise for the show can be found at tpublic.com. Just search the Fear of God podcast, all one word. And last but not least, if you listen to us through iTunes, we would greatly appreciate a rating or a review. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. Satisfied is when he's on a drum.